Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, episode 121, The Miracle of the House of Brandenburg. I'd like to just begin with a quick show note to explain the gap to the previous episode, which is I've been working on finishing up A History of the United States, volume 2, the uh, second book in our series, which should be ready for a release very soon, so that's very exciting. But back to the podcast. In our last episode, we looked at British politics and how it shifted in 1761. With George III now in power, Pitt's position weakened, and he was finally forced out in October due to his desire to preemptively declare war on Spain. Of course, less than two months later, the British declared war on Spain anyway. After spending so much time in Westminster last time out, today I want to look back at Berlin before setting the stage for peace. Now, I know it feels like we've been in the middle of the Seven Years' War for, well, seven years, but we will be done in two episodes' time, so let's dive into it. 1761 had not gone well for King Frederick, not at all. Not in the West, not in the East, not at all. Ferdinand had withdrawn from the Rhineland due to supply issues and invaded Hesse, but a French counterattack forced him back east of the Weiser. He did manage to push back in November, which crucially protected Hanover. It hadn't gone well, but Newcastle and Butte could be happy that their stronghold in Western Europe had been defended, while they continued to dominate in the colonies. It was, however, a resounding success when compared to Frederick. Back in 1756, the Prussian army had been the best in Europe, but it had suffered so many defeats that the core of the army was gone and the rest could only be rebuilt so many times. By 1761, Frederick had 100,000 troops available, and over half of these were either foreigners or new recruits. I'll let Frederick describe his state of mind in his own words, quote, The hairs on the right side of my head have gone quite grey. My teeth are rotting and falling out. My face in wrinkles like the folds of a lady's dress. My back is as bent as a fiddlestick, and my mind as melancholy as a Trappist's. End quote. Frederick set out to rescue Silesia, which the Austrians now almost completely occupied, but he soon found himself cut off as Russian and Austrian armies united, but they couldn't agree whether or not to attack, and the Russians withdrew in September. Failure of the Russian and Austrian armies to cooperate had saved Frederick, and not for the first time. Remember how they failed to agree on a plan after the Battle of Kernersdorf, something now known as the first miracle of the House of Brandenburg. In December, the Russians captured Kolberg, the last port city the Prussians had on the Baltic. Frederick described the situation as this, quote, The Austrians are masters of Schwednitz and the mountains. The Russians are behind the length of the wharf from Kolberg to Posen. My every bale of hay, sack of money, or batch of recruits 
only arriving by courtesy of the enemy, or from his negligence. Austrians controlling the hills in Saxony, the Imperials the same in Thuringia, all our fortresses vulnerable in Silesia, in Pomerania, Stettin, Kirsten, even Berlin, at the mercy of the Russians. End quote. The British were losing patience. Bute started openly discussing abandoning the Prussians. Frederick was growing desperate, and made a wild plea to the Ottomans to attack Russia and for the Tartars of the Crimea to invade Hungary. He'd taken to carrying a small box of opium pills with him, and decided that if the Ottomans did not join the war by February 20th, he stood no chance. He would commit suicide, leaving the Prussian diplomats free to negotiate a peace for his nephew, Frederick William. What happened next? Absolutely nobody expected. On the 6th of January, 1762, the Empress Elizabeth of Russia died. She was replaced by her nephew, Tsar Peter III. Frederick proposed terms to Peter, offering East Prussia for peace. Now, Peter was a very different character to Elizabeth. He was Germanized, and Frederick was his hero. His first diplomatic action as Tsar was to request a Prussian title, and his response to Frederick's peace overtures was that he would rather be a Prussian general. Basically, don't worry Fred, I got this. He returned East Prussia to Frederick, and offered a Russian army corps to help Prussia against Austria. Seeing that the winds were changing, Sweden made a quick peace with Prussia. In December 1761, Frederick had 70,000 troops to face against a combined quarter of a million Russians, Swedes, and Austrians. By 1762, he had 120,000 to face only Austria. Lucky doesn't even begin to describe it. The British alliance had, by May 1762, fallen apart. Bute pushed for abandoning the support of Prussia, Newcastle defended it. When the Spanish invaded Portugal, the British needed funds and Bute would not let Newcastle raise emergency money, insisting that the funds come from the German budget. This was Newcastle's chance to resign on principle, but he missed the cue. He was finally forced to resign after protesting Grenville intervening in the Treasury. After 50 years of service, Newcastle was thrown out of office. He declined the option of a royal pension and retired from public life. Newcastle doesn't get the attention that Walpole and Pitt do when you look at the Whig dynasty that dominated British politics in the 18th century, but he has undeniably been a major character in our story. With Newcastle out of the way, George offered Bute the position to lead the government, and he responded with a nervous letter, saying he wasn't sure that he could do it. George convinced Bute that he had his support, and this brought about the first Tory government since the reign of Queen Anne. It also meant that the Prussian alliance was dead. Bute and Frederick loathed each other. This essentially meant there were now two separate wars being fought, 
Britain was fighting France and Spain, while Prussia fought Austria. We'll deal with Prussia first before closing the episode with Britain. With his 20,000 Russian allies, Frederick marched against Austria and won a decisive battle at Birkensdorf in July 1762. Austria had been in dire financial straits since 1760 and had largely been relying on Russian support. The Battle of Birkersdorf forced the Austrians almost entirely out of Silesia and the Austrians lost their capacity to take the offensive. The timing of all this is rather insane. There is a reason why this is called the miracle of the House of Brandenburg because there had been yet another change in Russia. Tsar Peter was despised by his court and his wife, who deposed him in July 1762, after slightly over six months in power. His wife was, of course, the Tsarina Catherine the Great. She despised Frederick and withdrew the Russian element of the army, but by now the damage was done. Frederick's brother was able to regain control of Saxony, and the Austrians knew that they couldn't attempt to take Silesia. The war was pretty much done. As for Britain, they had a very busy 1762. It began with attack on the French West Indies. Uh, 1761 had ended with a decision to follow up on the capture of Guadeloupe with an assault on Martinique. Now, Major General Robert Monckton, fully recovered, set sail with 7,000 redcoats from New York. It took a month due to the island's rugged terrain, but by February 1762, Martinique was in British hands. This was followed swiftly by the capture of St. Lucia, Granada, and St. Vincent. Back in Europe, Spain invaded Portugal, as the British predicted, but not until May. By then, the British had helped set up a militia in the north, swiftly followed by the arrival of reinforcements, led by our old friend, Lord Loudon. While the Spanish made some initial successes, notably capturing Almeida at the end of July, the British and Portuguese launched a counter-offensive in October, an attempt helped by the newly promoted Lieutenant Colonel Charles Lee. By November, the Spanish had been pushed completely back across the border. Meanwhile, back in March, a force had set out from Portsmouth led by George Keppel, the Earl of Abermale. He reached the West Indies in April and linked up with General Monckton, giving him about 12,000 troops. From here, he launched an attack on Cuba. Using their commander's experience from events in North America, the British were able to move against Havana. They suffered heavily from disease, but a timely arrival of reinforcements brought about the surrender of the city in August. They were able to gain control of the island, as they had gained control of the French territories, making sure that the planters and merchants saw the benefits of working with the British Empire. There was talk of moving from here against Florida and Mexico, but the disease meant that this was not practical. While all this was going on, perhaps the greatest British achievement of the war was happening on the other side of the world. 
As listeners of Mike Duncan's excellent Revolutions series will know, there was a rather strange quirk of the Spanish Empire's administrative apparatus. The Philippines were considered part of New Spain, and were governed from Mexico City. This meant that when the British declared war on Spain, they felt they might be able to launch an attack against the Philippines before word reached Manila via Mexico that they were even at war with the British. They sent a commander to India who raised a force at Madras in July before sailing onto the Philippines, capturing Manila in October 1762. Now, this is far away from our story, so I'm not going to spend much time talking about Manila, but it's worth noting that the British really struggled. While they had the strength to conquer the territory, they never won the support of the locals and could not administer it. The fact that a colony cannot exist if the people living there don't support you would be something the British could have learned there and then. But we'll come back to all of that. So... This brings us to November 1762, all around the globe. The French had lost their North American, Caribbean, West African, and Indian colonies. The Spanish had lost Cuba, Manila, and had been pushed out of Portugal. The Russians were no longer in the war. The Austrians were bankrupt and could do nothing about Prussia. In short, just about everybody was ready for peace. An armistice was agreed across Europe, and two treaties would be agreed in 1763. The Treaty of Hubertsburg between Prussia and Austria, and what we're really interested in, the Treaty of Paris. But we'll save all that for next time, when we can begin to reflect on the war and set the stage for the American revolution. Thanks for listening. I'll see you then.